Blog Talk Radio. Greetings. This is the National Director of Operations 7. I want to say greetings to all my people out here. Uh, we're doing the Did You Know series. This Did You Know series has been a phenomenal experience in black history for myself and for the entire formation, but especially for me. Every Thursday we get together and one of our members highlights someone who made a contribution to their understanding of black history. And and they make it personal, you know. I, I always get a chance to ask the questions afterwards, and I love that part. But make it personal. Why is this person part of your black history? What did they do? So under the leadership of Chairman Yanga and uh, Chief of Staff War and myself, National Director of Operations, we've had some wonderful uh, people highlighted. I got to start it off with Mother Harriet Tubman, and then we went into Ida B. Wells, and then Mary McLeod Bethune, and then Flojo. I mean, and everyone, the excitement builds. Solomon, come on and speak to us about Muhammad Ali. And uh, Sister Aza came and spoke about Maya Angelou. Um, the little one, Habiba, spoke about Bastiet. I can't say his name correctly. But, you know, an African-American artist. Um, and uh, now, now we're evolving to the chairman. The chairman is going to take a, a moment out of his very, very busy schedule to speak to us about Brother Malcolm X. And this is something that I know he could do in his sleep, and I know this one hour is not going to be enough. But I'm looking forward to hearing not just the facts. You know, we all can Google. We can Surrey. We know the facts. But what we don't know is why is he important to the chairman? You know, what did he shape in the chairman's life? And, and just getting those types of answers and maybe looking at some things, you know, from another angle. So I, I'm really, really proud to be uh, hosting and, and presenting this information because I know it has expanded my knowledge base just with the shows we've had so far. So I'm really looking forward to this. Let's see if I can put Chairman in. I appreciate peace. Greetings, greetings. How are you? Greetings. I'm good. I'm good, man. I appreciate such a warm introduction. That was awesome. That's what's Absolutely. Up. Absolutely. Um, well, yeah. I'm looking forward to the information. I'm going to put myself on mute, um, and then when when you're ready for the questions and everything else like that, you let me know. But I know that you are. This is one of those like real special, special ones. Okay. So I'm I'm getting right, you so right. get to it. <laughs> Listen, I am so honored to have been given uh Brother Malcolm. Uh yeah, so let's start there. Brother Malcolm. We know that Brother Malcolm was born May nineteenth, what, nineteen twenty five. He was born in Omaha, Nebraska. To and here's one of the most important when we start getting about to what Brother Malcolm speaks to me and how he speaks to me directly, this is where we start at. Malcolm was born to a Mr. Earl and a Mrs. Louise Little. What's important about this is that Malcolm was second generation. And for those of you that are listening out there, some of you are second generation, and if not by birthright, just by being up under, or some of you are third generation, and if not by birthright, just by being up under, second generation. What is a second generation? A second generation is a brother or sister who's, parents were already uh, what we would call conscious or actively involved in the liberation struggle for black people. Malcolm's father, Malcolm's mother and father were active in the United Negro Improvement Association under the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey. This is why that's super important to me. For one, it dispels the myth that Malcolm became enlightened when he went to prison. We find in Malcolm being second generation, 
not only the importance of um, us belonging to organizations that advance our struggle, like Malcolm's parents did, but also what Mr. Little did with Malcolm and his mother encouraged because Malcolm was light-complected, and Malcolm's mother was a product of rape, and they didn't want Malcolm, you know, so Malcolm's mother had a problem with white people off the rip. You know, I believe her mother was raped by a white man, so she had a problem. And so she was hard on Malcolm from that perspective. Malcolm's father, who was a staunch advocate and minister in the United Negro Improvement Association, took Malcolm with him because he was dark and a lot of Malcolm's brothers were dark, and he didn't want Malcolm to grow up feeling privileged. He wanted Malcolm to understand what the Negro race at that time were facing and the need to put race first and to rise up. You mighty nation, you can accomplish what you will. Okay, Malcolm's father was also a Baptist minister, so we find Malcolm uh, not only being exposed politically to black liberation and black empowerment, but Malcolm had a spiritual seed implanted in him. Well, Malcolm's father being true to form, and they say the apple don't fall, fall from the tree. You dig? Malcolm's father was an agitator. So they were run out of Omaha, Nebraska. They went to Michigan. Uh, I wanted to say Detroit, but I don't believe it was actually Detroit. I think a little city outside of Detroit, but it was Michigan. Malcolm's father continued the work, the mighty works of the United Negro Improvement Association under the leadership of the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey and was killed. He was killed by the black legions of the Ku Klux Klan. He was placed, he was beaten and placed on a trolley car track and severed in half. So Malcolm is, Malcolm's father died this brutal death at the hands of white men, savages. And to add insult to injury, when Malcolm's mother went to collect insurance money, because, mind you, Malcolm's father, you know, was a prominent, what they would call a prominent part of black society then and could have been even more prominent had he kept his mouth shut. Malcolm's father was skilled labor, and he was a minister, and he was a, you know, a teacher of the United Negro Improvement Association, pushing Gar- um, uh, Negro World, Garvey's paper. So he was educated, enlightened, intelligent, a, a thoughtful person, fierce and staunch. So these are traits that we found Malcolm got, and that was pushed in his house. Anyway, his father was murdered. The mother tried to collect insurance. The insurance company said that Malcolm's father's death was suicide as if he bashed his own head in and laid across the railroad tracks voluntarily. So they denied them money. This led to uh, poverty for Malcolm and his family, and even so bad at one time we find in the writings of the autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley, which is recommended reading for the party. We find that Malcolm tells us, he recounts a tale where he tells us that they were so impoverished they had to eat dandelion stew. I can't imagine. Anyway, this condition, uh, Malcolm, so Malcolm began to steal little apples here, do this according to the autobiography. Um, the state captured, called him, I say captured. <laughs> the state got him. They sent social workers to the house. They drilled the mother. They pointed out inadequacies, made her feel bad. I, and, and I'm being brief. I mean, like um, director of operations said, and now we're in enough, 30 minutes is enough, so I'm, I'm going to be brief. Don't let me go over, Shepard. Please give me kind of a time check because I can get carried away with it, okay? Got me? Okay. Got it. Okay, I'll take that. So this this, this scrutiny, this coming and this, uh, you know, belittling, subtle and overtly belittling and degrading of her as a mother and just black family led to insanity. She was placed in a mental institution. Malcolm was taken because Malcolm was light-complected. He was less threatening than the other siblings. Uh, and one of the youngest, he was taken in, taken to a foster home. Then he was adopted uh, symbolically as the uh, pet. You know, these white folks are so liberal, but still very influenced by racism and white privilege and everything that comes with it. So they, they're showing their liberalism by taking Malcolm in, but he was more of the pet. He was the intelligent Negro. They marveled at his intelligence and all the things those 
traits that he had inherited from his father, his being reflect, uh, very reflectful. I wanted to reflect and, and, and show this type of aptitude. So anyway, they say it's reported according to our, uh, Malcolm's autobiography. He says that when they were talking about career day in his class, uh, everyone was talking about what they aspired to be, and Malcolm said he aspired to be a lawyer, I believe. And his teacher said, Malcolm, that is an unrealistic goal for a Negro. Why don't you aspire to be something that your people do? Like good old John down there, be a carpenter, be something like that. But a, a lawyer is a real, uh, a unrealistic expectation for a Negro. You know, even though he was president of his class and everything, but this showed the tokenism. This showed that, yes, we would acknowledge your exceptional ability. First of all, we're going to look at it as being exceptional. That's not common amongst your people. And when we recognize it, we're going to pull you in close, never to be fully one of us, but close enough that, you know, maybe some of the um, I, I, our glitter will get down on you and you'll be mesmerized or something. But that had a profound effect on Malcolm. You know, anyway, as he got older uh, and began to see this reality, his half-sister stepped in. She lived in Boston. Malcolm went there, and that's where Malcolm was introduced to the street life. This is the other side of Malcolm that we talk about personal. Why? Because, and, and let me show me because I don't want to think. One of the things we find in Malcolm, I think while Malcolm serves as a good example for black people in general, revolutionaries specifically, and students of black nationalism and pan-Africanist understandings or attempting to understand it, how it would affect black people in America, because Malcolm is one of the few human beings, let alone black people, we find go through such a profound mental, psychological, spiritual, physical political change in a lifetime. Books can be written on Malcolm's various stages, just not on him as a man, but on the various stages he went through in his political development, even his stage as a scoundrel, which he would readily say he was during that period of pimping and pandering black flesh and white flesh, of drug dealing and breaking in and robbing the whole psychology that goes into making a person into that. And we find he went through that and he was incarcerated. And during his incarceration, the movie shows you one thing, but according to his autobiography, his brother, I believe Reginald, had embraced the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, who eventually, you know, was telling him that the way you're behaving is not not you, it's a white man. Now, they would have us think, oh, this was some profound teaching, and I understand that propaganda from the nation and everything, but those of us who know know that all of this did is do what we do. It awakened the ancestral understanding in him. It awakened something that his father put in him, and I'm very sure that if you would study probably where his father came from, it was often his father's people. His father was from Georgia. His mother was from Grenada. So I'm sure that it was something ancestral that was awakened, that had been awakened in his brother Reginald, and he wanted to share it with Malcolm, and it awakened it in Malcolm. And Malcolm began to devote himself, re-devote himself to studying things that he knew went in, and he was so prolific and so profound in his arguments and his, you know, attack on God and their understanding of spirituality that they named him Satan inside of prison. That's how cold he was. Anyway, he gets out and he goes to the nation. At this time, the nation may have had two temples with 100 members together, and that's and, and I'm being generous there. Malcolm, within that little bit of time and his understanding and his having been brought up on, in, in a lot of the teachings of the United, uh, Universal Negro Improvement Association, began to bring that energy. Some would even say infuse some of the concepts. That's open for debate. But we do know when we find and we study and look at the nation Islam, the UNIA under the leadership of the Honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, major similarities. And we understand Malcolm's uh, background. So, but whatever the argument may be, there is none that can deny the influence and the sway that the dear brother Malcolm had on the nation of Islam and the draw that it came in. And as it began to pour in and Malcolm grew and evolved, Here's where, to me personally, and some may disagree with this, I think Malcolm evolved so politically, he understood that the theology, the theological black nationalism, religious, religious black nationalism, spiritual black nationalism wasn't enough to address the conditions of 22 million black people in, in, in America. 
that he gave credit to the Nation of Islam for addressing the moral and ethical problems that black people face. The nation was instrumental in cleaning up a lot of black men and women at that time, reinfusing in us that sense of morality and dignity and cleanliness and righteousness. But Malcolm knew that that extended farther than that. He saw the businesses pop up and the brothers and sisters get clean and the police still bust the heads to the white meat. The incident where two black Muslims was killed in Los Angeles and Malcolm was restrained and restricted from really saying what he wanted to say due to policies and procedures of the nation of Islam and how they went about uh, the affairs of black people and how they attempted to win salvation. And I think in that evolution it got Malcolm in trouble <laughs> in my opinion I think it got Malcolm in trouble I think Malcolm made some statements he was told not at the assassination of John F. Kennedy Malcolm was told not to respond they threw a baited question out there Malcolm being a brother from the street a hustler how it is it's that he bit he made the response I don't think the response was bad I don't think it was that major I don't even think hindsight is twenty twenty. When we look back on it, I don't even think it was about the response. I think it was about a neutralizing, a electrifying, effective black leader. And they used the envy and the pettiness of infighting and little people in the organizations to, to go about to neutralize them. So we find that Malcolm eventually leaves the nation. And in his leaving the nation and getting out of the country, uh, or just getting away, Malcolm takes a tour. It initially started as taking, making Hodge, where Malcolm recognized the tenets of a more orthodox, orthodox conventional Islam, a universal Islam. And in that, he t was allowed to tour Africa, and Malcolm spelled out our plight amongst the African people. It's reported that they said Malcolm set the foreign, an agent of America said Malcolm had set our foreign policy back 20 years. So Malcolm brought our plight, and Malcolm elevated our struggle from a civil rights issue to a human rights issue. Malcolm condemned the hypocrisy of America that would say that apartheid was wrong in South Africa and practiced Jim Crowism and segregation in, South, in the southern states of America. Malcolm uh, pointed out the hypocrisies that would point out the human rights issues in China and all over the world and there right there in Mississippi and other parts of South, you would have worse atrocities going on. And so Malcolm made a tool, but in this Malcolm discovered one thing too. Malcolm discovered the reach of this devil. In Egypt, Malcolm was poisoned. And Malcolm said he knows the nation of Islam and their reach isn't that extensive. This has to be government work. I think that too many times that's not put out there because Though we can't say, yeah, black people kill black people, this and that, we still have to look at how Malcolm shows us how our pettiness and our envy and our hatred and taking our eyes off the goal of liberation and self-determination will have us to implode and turn against one another and be easily and readily used as puppets for the destruction of other black people. So I think in that we learn that from Malcolm. So to continue as Malcolm would Malcolm um, – eventually did when Malcolm came back to the States, they asked Malcolm, what was the change thing of Malcolm? Did Islam change you? Malcolm said, I went to Arabia. I practiced the Islam now, more conventional, universal Islam, and I seen Muslims of all colors. So they said, Malcolm, have you changed your perspective on white Americans? He said, no. I think this is important to remember. He said, and, and unless they understand it, embrace that understanding of Islam, he understood that the white Americans, the problem of white Americans over here is, is a problem of racism, supremacy, privilege, entitlement. Malcolm was not disillusioned by his faith. In fact, in his speech, Ballad to the Bullet, that he delivered right there on a the street that I used to live down in, in, in um, Cleveland, when he said that if your religion, divide you or hasn't done anything for you in 400 years, you should let that religion go. But he says, now we're going to put our religion in the closets. Because if we, and I'm paraphrasing, if we were here to talk about religion, we'd be discussing that all day. So Malcolm shows us that you can be a spiritual man. You can even be a religious man and put race for, first and understand the need of your people. So we learned that from Malcolm at this point. We also learned 
Malcolm rose above his pettiness. Malcolm readily apologized. He reached out and said, I take back all of those harsh and negative things I have said about any black leader. And he said, if you notice before, I would say the Honorable Elijah Muhammad teaches such and such. He says, now as a man of his own fruition and his own thinking, he takes that back and hopes that the door is open and that he can work with all progressive black leadership. Malcolm understood, like I, I reiterate, the need for us to rise this above a civil issue to a human rights issue and that it was going to take black representation for every segment and sector of our society. Malcolm began to understand we are not a monolithic people, that we are a people that that are very diverse and due to the trauma and the crimes inflicted upon us that that diversity is exacerbated, that it's even wider than it would be if natural causes had, had um, played into our separation and our evolution. But due to unnatural causes and the intentional obstruction and hindrance of the natural evolution of a mighty, wonderful people, Malcolm understood that our problems were not just the um, common problems of people finding their place in the natural world. And so we learned this um, from Malcolm. We learned sacrifice and dedication from Malcolm. And, this, and these are just some of the things that I learned from my dear brother Malcolm. And one of the things that I learned, if anything else, was the sincere love that you must have and the cost and the price of that sincere love, not just the price you paid to get to a point of understanding. See, some of us still, we may be informed. You see, Malcolm was informed. I was second generation. I was informed. Sister, our national director operation, second generation, she was informed. But I'm sure when you ask ask her, like you ask me, like we study Malcolm, there's a point in your life when you get it. When you pay that price to get it, it's like, oh. And when you pay that price to get it, then there's a whole other price to keep it. And then another price that you pay the sacrifice to have it uh, attached to you and stamped to you forever in the continuation of generations to come even after you. It is expensive. It is it is very expensive, you know, and it's only – I shouldn't even say that. Let me take it back and end with Brother Malcolm because what he did to – it isn't expensive. But I think Brother Malcolm, if he teases anything, it's what we put value on. So that's it. That's my conclusion and what I get and what Brother Malcolm meant for. I'm sure I left out a lot of historic and facts, but like Sister, uh, the director of operations, say anything like that, I still recommend get the book. Autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley. It is it's mandated reading. It ain't even recommended, man. If you haven't read that book, you're not reading yet. So get that book. Wonderful. I'm sitting over here with like Amen Corner. You know, I I, I am a hundred percent in agreement with all of that. You know, and I'm I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here with my, not just uh, myself I'm listening, but I'm sitting here with my youngest, you know, so we're talking about a third generation coming in, getting that exposure, understanding uh, the weight, the seriousness, the necessity of all of this, you know, this is still a very real fight. And, um, you know, General Member Solomon, who, you know, we're always having these conversations this is still going on. The need is still there. There may not be someone with a megaphone, but I, I promise mm-hmm. you the, the the issues are still there. You know, um, if I can ask a couple of questions, and I have a thousand questions. You know, there's so <laughs> many places we could go with this, you know. But, you know, mm-hmm. one of the questions that I would love to ask and, and to get some more insight in is, Understand how do you see yourself as second generation? How do you see the mimics kind of like in his life and in your life? You know, do you see any similarities or or have you modeled, you know, part of yourself after him? Has he made you feel more comfortable about even some of the transitions that you've gone through in your life? So it's like, you know, just just tell me about his walk and your walk as you see it. 
Um, Brother Malcolm, of course, yeah. right? Um, you know, I see what I see is I do see patterns. I do see patterns. I see patterns with Mount with the knowing better, with the um, certain standards you're going to like. Malcolm was a leader in whatever field he had chose. I think you sitting there with a third generation is a prime example. A lot of the young people that's on the line now, Solomon is a prime example. You are given the tools and the ability to be leaders already. It's it's you just were given that in the household you were given because that's the households we came up in. Um, and I see where Malcolm being bitter towards just what life dealt him, his his mother, his father, that that black power stuff, that black stuff never brought me anything good. So he went to the complete opposite. I I saw myself in that. You know, what is black power bring? My dad's not here. It didn't do anything for my mom. We're not rich. You know, what good is this? So I went to the opposite, like Malcolm did. And unfortunately, like Malcolm, I had that thing that reawakened in me what my, what the first generation, what my parents had given to me. But it was a trauma. It was like, oh, this is what that means. And this is why. I have these gifts, and this is my responsibility. So that's what I see. I see a pattern. I really see the law in each one teach one to much given, much is required. I really now see the law in that, and I see So that destiny for Malcolm was Malcolm greatness was his destiny anyway. It's just what he was going to be great in. Was he going to be a great nigger or a great black man? So, yeah. I hope I didn't go all over the place, but that's what I see. And I say that for you young people listening. You have the tools, the abilities, and the capabilities. Now you must get the focus and the discipline, you know, and know what know what all of those things are for and what they were given for. Don't be traumatized. Don't have to get your head bust. Hello, you there? Uh-oh. Am I still on? Yes, you're still on. Okay. I got you. And, you know, let me ask you this. Uh, When it comes to some of the challenges that we're experiencing right now in this crazy environment called the United States of America, you know, Mm -hmm. I always felt and I saw um, Malcolm's generation, our parents' generation, having a lot of support from the masses, in my opinion. I I saw Mm. people stop what they were doing, dedicate their whole life. You know, I've seen um, communities of African Americans come together under this purpose or that purpose. But, you know, to me, it seemed like there was a lot more support than there is now. You know, what do you think about that support? Absolutely, it, it, because we look at the issues they address. I think that this age of social media and Internet has widened our grasp so much that we're not even mm-hmm. lose. To, like they say, you can't see the forest from the trees. So mm-hmm. even though it was grassroots what they were doing, it was so grassroots down there, it traveled word of mouth, man, basement, bottom, everybody – so they were connected to the people. The issues they addressed were really good. They addressed, they addressed poor tenements, rats and roaches. They addressed poverty. They addressed the bad schooling. It wasn't, you know, they weren't always reactionary. When we look at them, they were proactive. They were fighting for something. It seems like they have us in the age now. We're chasing everything. Mike Brown, Sandra Brand, Bianca Taylor. And there's no, product to, uh, no productivity, no production. Yeah. Well, Malcolm, yeah. man, when you were back at that days, and our parents and them, and they were, come on, you know how we came up, so we were always at something. Yeah. And it, didn't nobody have yeah. to die, and there wasn't no protest about nobody getting killed at the street. Wow. It was what it was. It was a meeting. Right. It was rent party. It was uplifting. It was the drum circle. It was, it was our culture. And it addressed yeah. the everyday needs. If nothing else. If y'all wasn't eating good in your house any of that week, you know, twice or three times a week, you don't eat good because y'all was going to all meet up. Yep. <laughs> you know, it addressed, I mean, babysitters, if, if, if parents had to go out and work, you knew auntie so-and-so. So we were very communal. Now we're 
very segregated and separated and we're, and we're boyers and everything's so international. It comes so when we're detached. We get bombarded with it so much in our timeline that we become desensitized. We can. Mm-hmm. I just said today, I just watched a white man kill eight people. Watched the news, white people, yeah. and guess what I said, damn. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like, oh, man, that's terrible. Human life. I was like, damn. We've become very yeah. desensitized. And I know they weren't black for all my super ultra black nationalists. I'm just talking about no. my humanity. I'm just talking about death. We, I'm just talking about okay, people dying. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. To where we yeah. just remove them. I'm like, oh, wow. Mm. Okay, let me see what, yeah. what they're doing on uh, Ricky Lake. You know, I mean, yeah. we have become very desensitized to it. So, you know, to, at the risk of sounding redundant, I think that that's the thing. That where is the grass roots? Right. Yep. 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 And, and, and that's it, where the support comes very, in. Yeah, and it can be very discouraging for those that are interested in this movement and interested in still making their mark and doing this and doing that when they don't see the support, when they don't see um, yeah. those that are willing to assist them in that. And so, because I know there were people that dedicated themselves to Malcolm and dedicated themselves Mm-hmm. to, you know, the movement that he was promoting. And we just when, don't see that now. When you don't see, well, it's been hijacked. The sensationalists have hijacked the movement. When you don't see taking those babies to the park as revolutionary, when you don't see playing right. that garden as revolutionary, when you don't see, like your show said, balanced living, healthy eating, and getting your body yes. in shape, walking, your little yeah. yoga as revolutionary, you'll never feel like you're doing that. If you, all you see is guns, and you got to run up and down the damn street, and half of them was out of shape and overweight and passing out. You know what I'm saying? No disrespect. <laughs> but if that's all you see is revolutionary, you don't see your party. We're going to strike that from the record. Chairman. <laughs> yes, hey, I just had to say. So. No, you don't see yourself in it. No, you don't feel like you're participating in the the liberation of your people. But I'm here to tell you, that healthy meal, that neighbor you have that you cooked a plate, put some little shrimp wrap on, say, hey, you know what? Made made so much, made extra, I'm bringing you a plate. Very revolutionary. Very revolutionary. You made something sure somebody ate today? Shit. Right on. Right on. So we have to know that our everyday actions, all right, you getting them babies, taking them to the park, you done relieve stress from mamas, you done got them out there, whatever, three, four of them, very revolutionary. The revolution is very Absolutely. social. It's very mass. So taking it back from the sensationalist, putting it back in the hands of the people is the most revolutionary thing we can do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this. Without um, Malcolm's exposure, experience, gifts, time, life, whatever, without that, where would we be? You know, I have a question, where would we be as wow. as African Americans? Where would we be think, as Muslims? Wow. Where would Fumbling. where would anything be? Fumbling. Fumbling. I can you know, like I go back I, I, I bring bring back up a point I made earlier. I think Malcolm is one of the few humans, let alone black people who in such a short span, we see this, this I mean, this amazing political evolution, social evolution and understanding, uh, economic, I mean, just, every, he just, like, it was like revelation, like, and yes. you could not, and, and I meant it when I said, not just write volumes and volumes of eyes on his life, you can write volumes on sections. Of his political yes. awakenings, his nation of Islam yes. era. There's no revolutionary that don't quote an aspect of Malcolm from his nation Absolutely. era to his enemies necessary era. You know what I'm saying? He was Absolutely. that dude. So we would be, there is, listen, we would be so far behind. I, I'd like to say, they say, oh, man, you're idolizing the man greatly. Oh, yeah, because I think. When you study him, he has just gave, given us light years of information and a structure of philosophical revolutionary thought that we can build upon in, what, 20-some-odd years? If, if, man, amazing, freaking genius. That's all I can say. Absolutely. Genius. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you know, one thing about me, um, 
know, if I can butt into your program, if I can share something please. that means to me, is that, um, and you know this to be extremely true in my life, I don't believe in extra people. I don't believe in throwing away people. I believe that we are, as, as Africans, descendants of Africans, Pan-Africans, African-Americans, whatever you want to call it, but I truly believe that we um, were all here for a reason. And what his life means to me is that it, it was like looking at that coal, not being able to see the diamond, you know. So now mm. all coal looks like diamonds to me. You know, I deal with knuckleheads every day, all day. And mm. all I see is diamonds, 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 because I know that, you know, right now they, they, they dirty, they filthy, they have dirty minds, they, they, they have not cultivated self, but I know that there's some diamond in there. And so that's what he, the, that was the example that he gave to me. That was the gift that he gave to me, the ability to see the diamond through the coal. And so, and I need more wow. people to be able to understand that he was a lump of coal, okay? Mm-hmm. He was every other black person, but enough pressure was applied in the right way, and he brought his diamond out. And so as, like, as mm-hmm. we go through and we're doing the work that we do, and we're speaking to the people that we get to speak, we get to speak to. Now we have to speak to. We get the opportunity and the blessing and the responsibility to speak to. As we're doing that, it's like, how are we cultivating that diamond underneath the coal? Mm. You know, that coal could only be one layer thick. That could be a huge diamond. But if you're going to mm. just dismiss it because it has a record, if you're going to just dismiss it because he's a little rough around the edges, if you're going to dismiss it because he's not intellectually, you know, possibly on it, he may need some more help, whatever. If you're going, if we're going to keep dismissing our diamonds, our crown jewels, where are we going to be? So for mm. me, what he represents is that absolute potential that I know every African-American male has and that we have to start getting in there, not being afraid of what it looks like, what other people might say, uh, or whatever. We got to get in there and start squeezing this coal so we can start bringing about the diamond that is within. So that is the example. I love Malcolm X and everything he stood for, even in his wildness. In every year, you know, but especially before this COVID thing hit, you know, this has been a huge celebration. And, you know, you know, we're, we're both not far out of Atlanta. You're in Atlanta. So, you know, every Malcolm X day, I am mm-hmm. me and a whole that slew of thing. kids, as many kids. That is your many... part. <laughs> that is your Christmas. That, you that are Christmas, not going to miss Malcolm X Day. Lord, I swear, that is your Lord. day, boy. Man, I have a special mm. red, black, and green blanket for me and my whole yeah. slew of kids that I brought out there, whatever kid I could find, and we're going to get out there. We're going to watch this. We're going to listen to the speeches. We're going to be really black for a moment, you know. And, I mean, I'm black every day, all day, with no apologies. But my people are not as comfortable and confident all the time in their blackness. But at that very moment, we go back to being happy to be black, you know. And I love because in Atlanta, the Muslims got this little section right here. Uh, it is two stages of Muslim. Of, of Muslim. We have uh, the Muslim after the revelation, then we have the nation, then we have the Panthers, then we have just Africans being black in a park, enjoying themselves. And so it's that kind of stuff that every year my love for him grows because every year I'm bringing more people, more children out so that they can get exposed and they can find out who this man is. You need to know his face. And you know what he's that goes to, yeah. Like we're saying that that's, and that's the only man you could really, and Atlanta's a great representation of that. That could have a day that pulls that diverse of a crowd. 
you know, yes. I respect King Day and this and that, but I've never seen a get-together like Atlanta does, and I'm sure other cities, but I can definitely speak for Atlanta, like Atlanta does for Malcolm X Day. Like you said, everybody yeah. from the Rastaman to the straight yeah. African, everybody is just out there, and everybody, and what's funny to me, Seven is, is like when you walk down, you know, the path that they have for the, you walk down to Venice, that you get to see Malcolm in the various stages yeah. of his development. Because every group yeah. has their Malcolm, <laughs> you know. Every group you'll see him with the with the beard and the the the, the finger on his face, all the way up to no That's beard right. on the microphone in his Nation Islam days. I love it. Every yeah. group has their development. Absolutely, and we all come yeah. together with the mm-hmm. understanding that. Yeah. This is one of our princes. You know what I'm saying? This yes. this was this was the one who stood up against whatever was wrong. Not not, you know, not not saying, Oh well, it's wrong but no, no, we have to get out of the butt. Yeah. You know, we have to get back to the point where we can clearly it is it really can be cut and dry. Okay, the only time it's not cut and dry black and white is when you have an agenda, when you have some yeah. additional whatever stuck in there. No, I'm talking about basic, here you go, this is what this is, you know. And mm-hmm. um, that is the one time when people let all that go. And they really just allow themselves to be happy in the middle of their blackness. You know, the, the kids yeah. study up for speeches. You know, we used to, you and I have studied many, many speeches, okay. Mm-hmm. And this is just what we had to do because it was part of, you know, our family development. That's how you got to you know, speak about who you were and, you know, that was your limelight if you could get your speech right and if you can, you know, really, really get it, you know, get the energy into that. Uh, absolutely. And, and and again, going back to Malcolm, I think a lot of that, you know, because Malcolm um, brought that, that oratory and that passion, and I think that he represents that. I, I know a lot of people, that's who they would Early, either want to emulate or even now, even in their subconscious, they want to be like. And I don't think it's just so much to possess his style and his swagger, but what what Malcolm was was unapologetically black. Malcolm yes. rapped to him. I think that's why we like Malcolm. Malcolm would rap to him, and Malcolm used their own vocabulary on this, but Malcolm was a rapper. He was going to address it. You know what I'm saying? He wasn't going to shy from the issue. He get on twenty twenty say all of these new you can pull up these old YouTubes on Malcolm and you find them um addressing the issue right here very intelligently, articulately, but never shying away from the question. He give it to him. Correct. You know. Yeah. And I think Correct. that everybody could appreciate that out of Malcolm, that fire. So he he a, a tremendous figure. In, in fact, and I'm, you know, not to go on and on, but Malcolm, when we look at a lot of the organizations that came after Malcolm, they will cite Malcolm as being very inspirational. The Black Panther Party. You know, Malcolm was Absolutely. advocating for armed defense and everything. We look at the Republic of New Africa, when Malcolm uh, was telling us about getting land and about doing for self. In fact, his widow the Dr. Betty Shabazz sat on, was a member and sat in the government in the seat of power and authority. Now, I don't like those words, but, you know, sat on the government of the Republic of New Africa. So we find a lot of the groups that came after the assassination of the Honorable Malik el Shabazz, Malcolm X, were very, uh, he inspired them greatly. And this is the mark of a great leader. When you're teachings and your understanding are so for the people that they transcend the people's limitless, the the people's little limits. When your teachings are so for the people, they become universal and everybody can embrace them and can see empowerment in it, in in your teachings and themselves. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't think there has Outside of maybe Garvey himself, I don't think there has been one person that has been applied in so many different ways. You know what I'm saying? Right. And mm-hmm. um, I don't 
me and, and you know, one thing about me and everybody knows <laughs> National Director of Operations 7 does Big Mama's House. We're always talking about the family unit. You know, he was a family man. You know, and, and not to say that in the beginning of his life he wasn't out there doing what young people do. But when he came into knowledge and understanding, this was a married man, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. with children, oh, yeah. and and they were part of the ministry. And his wife was a very large part of who he was, and she spent a lot of time gently working with him and coaching him and everything else like that. And I love the way that they bring that dynamic forward where she plays such a gentle but very real, very uh, there uh, role in his life. So, you know, we're Mm -hmm. talking about an all-around role model for African-Americans, and and we don't do enough about learning the information and the knowledge. We get, I don't want to say we get stuck, spend time on that by any means necessary, and that's because we mad. You know, and that's because we're hurt, and that's because we're constantly going through the traumas and dramas that this world will have us going through. But when we stop and take a minute and say, okay, but what is it for real? Well, how does this work for real? Then we begin to say, okay, past the hurt. Once we get past the hurt, what is left? And this is what that's the conversation we're having now. You know, mm-hmm. past the angry, past the guns. You know, past the the horrible assassination, past all of that, what do we have? We have a diamond. We have someone who who pushed forward against the odds. We have someone who, um, I didn't know, I didn't know he was adopted. I didn't know. You know, there was so much that you even brought to light in how this makes, it adds up. It adds up. It allows me to see progression. You know what I'm saying? And this is something that I think if everybody takes it slow, I remember um, last year with my youngest, we, of course, we've, we've read the book, we've watched the movie, but we last year we took that movie slow and we said, okay, what do you see? And, you know, and, and I would have him go through exactly what he is he saw, you know, because he was seeing and interpreting things from a 2020 uh, 14-year-old perspective that I wasn't doing, that I didn't see Mm -hmm. as a grown black woman in the working, in the movement. He was seeing something new. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, we have to take the time to reintroduce our children again because there's still lessons that they need in order to be successful with this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm reminded of, and not to get off my I was talking to my son, and we were talking about Sister Asada Shakur. And he was absolutely. like, why he wanted that? And I was telling him, you know, he wanted because, you know, police had got shot, this and that. And uh, he said she should have been in jail. She shot a police officer. I said, well, oh, okay. son, it's, it's, it's not, he's like, dad, <laughs> dad, dad, she shot a police officer. You see, so we forget <laughs> That we have to, you know, I didn't know how to take that. I was offended at the same time, upset with myself for, you know what I'm saying, really, for the lack of really painting that picture and presenting the context where everything, because our children have to be reminded of our struggle so that can, you know, so that a contentment never fully yeah. sets in. It's okay to be appreciative mm-hmm. and to be mm-hmm. thankful, but we never want a contentment to, to set in because now just to say, and he's right, just to say that statement, as matter of fact, as mm-hmm. I said then, well, you know, she shot a police officer Sunday, and he's, oh, yeah, well, you know, yeah, she should be in jail. You know, mm-hmm. it, without mm-hmm. him, see, but when we don't present the historical context, if that's not a constant exactly. in my house, if... That's not, you know, so that was very reflective on just the environment. I said, so he doesn't know why we felt like we were pushed to those limits. What was going on? Exactly. In, you see, what would make, so that's very important to keep, keep alive and I keep alive in our house. Absolutely. You know, I, I children, you know, my son, he looks at it as you know when I point out, well, you know, what about Brianna Taylor? This and he looks at those as isolated incidents. He doesn't yeah. look at it as systemic racism, as a problem of the system. He yeah. looks at it as bad cops. Yeah. 
people who right. didn't do their job. Right. Yeah. So we have to yeah. be mindful. You yeah. know. And then you know, mm-hmm. uh when he's suffering and going through the same things with Solomon in the ever present police force outside her police mm-hmm. harassment when when he's going when he gets a little older, see right now, you know, on one hand I know you're talking about environment, but you know, that's a testament to his parents because he shouldn't have to go through those things. You know, I'm hoping mm. by the time he starts driving that we can get this daggone police brutality thing straight. And so our heart doesn't have to stay in our throat. And, and we have to, you know, I, I'm doing these extra checks. Hey, Solomon, how you doing? What's going on? And I know he's like, Ma, if you don't leave me alone, there's nothing wrong with my boy. Right. I don't have to right. check. This is a good kid. I'm not checking mm. on him. I'm checking on his environment. Mm. I'm checking on what is I'm checking on the universe around him. He is an awesome kid. I'm worried mm-hmm. about all the other circumstances around him. Mm. So I'm hoping by the time your little one gets up there, by the time he's driving and, and getting the car, Dad, I need the car, blah, 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 that we can send him to the store without fear that um, some Skittles and a can of soda is going to be the end to him. You know, so right I, on, I the universe want, accept that. Mm-hmm. I want his reality to be there, but until we get there, he has to know about this other reality that is present. What he's talking about is a goal. What we're dealing with is the actual factual, and we we have to unfortunately stay in this factual until we get our goal accomplished. You know. Yes. And so, yes. you know, it's and, a wonderful and, thing that he gets to think like that. Yeah, it is, you know, and it and it, it is wonderful. It makes you warm sometimes, on, and at the same time, it brings all type of apprehensions and fears. You oh, know, yeah. Because it's how do you, and a sadness, <laughs> and, a, and, a, yeah. and a sadness, because you have to take their social and uh, their social virginity, so to speak. You have to introduce yeah. nightmares into their life. You have yeah. to point out the yeah. very real nature of the beast. And it may yeah. not be, and you want to show to you because they may never run across it in their life. Who knows? You know, they may be one right. of those white people escape, or they may may run across But nonetheless, you have to equip them with it. And how they do have you do that without making them ultra angry, ultra fearful? Yeah. Ultra, you know, or maybe dad, you just tripping. Ultra, I don't give a damn. I'm gonna go out. You know, it's it's this thing we have to. It's just so unfair that us as black people have to begin to um, raise our children to be part of a society, but not part of the society. Do your best, but know these crackers gonna hold you back. You know what I'm saying? Obey the law, but the law still kill you. You know, I mean, dang on. It's you know, yeah. you can wear yeah. what you want to wear, but take your hoodie down when you go in the store. You have to keep you know, a hoodie in the store. Why? Because you might scare somebody. You know, right. and, and it's like, well, why am I accountable like, for so and so being scared? You know, why is that? Right. Why, why is that even listen, your? How that like get you to told, be my problem? Right, like you had to tell uh, T Boogie, like you had to tell Talib, you know what I'm saying? Hey, man, you know, like, you know, like he can help how you, hey, man, when you walk over, people basically wear bells. Don't walk too close yeah. to somebody. Take this, this, yeah. and say, Dag, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. That's 15. So yeah. now I got, you know, not only I got to worry about pimples, I got to worry about something yeah. killing me because I'm, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because I'm yeah. growing. Yeah, and because, yeah, and because I look like, you know, because I, I, I'm a little, I'm a little big, and I can see, you know, over top of your head, and now be, you threaten. Because you I, know, and, because and I fit the description it. that because I fit the description yeah. that this devil has demified, that's criminalized. Yeah. I'm a nice yeah. sized black male with locks. Yeah, I'm everything yeah. he said. Yeah. I'm the boogeyman. I'm I'm that Negro in yeah. your closet. I'm everything he said yeah. that you should run from. And all yep. I am is hungry trying to get in this building to give me a sandwich, buddy. Okay. I haven't even you know. noticed you. I don't even see you okay. right there. And all of a sudden, it's a problem, you yeah. know? So, yeah. 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 You know, all self-hate, misrepresentation, and Malcolm, going back to our brother Malcolm, he constantly pointed, he said, this is, a, this is a government seal on this liquor bottle. Malcolm said, who taught you to hate right. yourself? 
Malcolm told us about the fear yeah. of Negro in the house. So Malcolm constantly, Malcolm pointed out the African in America and the problem with face. He was the father of black nationalism. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Malcolm constantly pointed out the contradictions that we face, and he went about it boldly, and he told them about their raggedy self. And, you yeah. know, even if it meant against sometimes having to go against uh, people of his form of faith, you know, yeah. he said some deep. Elijah Muhammad, and it's a matter of historical record. It's not the slander. Elijah Muhammad had some children out of wedlock. Malcolm was a believer. Malcolm felt he had been betrayed, and he had, you know, and he came out of this disillusion, and he had to speak against it. That was the nature of a man. And this is what I get from Malcolm, that you don't get, when you're really honest and real about justice, you don't yeah. get to pick what you want to be silent about, even if no. it's your former mentor. Nope, nope. Isn't that nope. something? No. Nope. You don't, you don't get, get to pick to it. Pick you can't be righteous over back. here, but no, this is going on. And, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Because he knows at that point you're condoning it. As that mm. He didn't, you know, oh, no, I'm not going to condone it now. I'm not part mm-hmm. of that. That's out of right. order. Right. Out, out of order. order. Yeah, you know, that righteousness is real. Righteousness will get you killed, okay? Um <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's a, we're laughing because it's an inside joke between the two of us. Yeah, I'm so righteous. I'm I'm not playing. Right is right, and I tell people all the time the truth has no friends. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But did, is the truth going to get you killed? You know what I'm saying? These are the kind of things that that he was pondering and knew fully and still moved mm-hmm. forward. You know, and yeah. that's the kind of stuff we have to remember about the awesomeness of this man is that even in the face of his own demise. He was like, but if I say I am for the people, this is this is what the people need. You know wow. what I'm saying? That's and it. so he That's really it. put himself there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like you said, it it, it accompanies it. You know, the truth has no yeah. friend, righteousness. I mean, it just goes with the mantle. It goes with the cloak, yes. the coat. That's all a part of it. It does. You know? It is. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. I, and and yeah. I, I am appreciative, but yet I'm sorry that it had to come like that. I, mm-hmm. I appreciate the sacrifice that he made, that his wife made in losing a husband and sending a husband out every day knowing that she could lose him. Every day she yeah. encouraged him to go, even on the days he was tired, even on the days where, you know, he couldn't see it clearly. She still encouraged him to go knowing that that push might be the push. You know what I what, – what, one of the things, too, that stand out about Dr. Shabazz is just the – first of all, to know if you, you have to come, have come. Like you said, we're second generation. So we know what environment and climate that was for women. So we kind of know her strength a little more than is out there because at that climate, women weren't promoted and pushed out there. So that strength is a – if you're not part of that community – you probably really don't get how strong those sisters were. Yeah. I get your mother as a fine example. You know what I'm yeah. saying? With aiding yeah. and supporting your father. My mother is a so it was yeah. a lot of but it, they weren't the women weren't celebrated in that arena. It was the men that represented that. So the strength That's that when right. you look at Malcolm, you just gotta know the strength of his woman. And then too, let me tell you about integrity and strength. Even after his death, you didn't see her on Jerry Springer. His nope. She went and got her doctorate. She went yep. and continued her life, and she was Dr. Betty Shabazz. What she didn't make yep. the, all the circuits, she didn't go, you know what I'm saying? I mean, yep. just the integrity, that the honor yep. that she still carried, and the level that, you know, she didn't scandalize her husband even in his death, even by her behavior. I right. mean, it just speaks volumes to the time. So if you love Malcolm, and as hard as he was and as firm as he was, you had to know his selection in a woman and a woman that could give him this many children and to aid and assist in producing that type of character had to be exceptional. Absolutely. You know, and I, 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 so I, man, hands down, hands down. She just, yo, yeah. Dear children, <laughs> you got to wrap uh, it up. You got to oh, wrap it okay. up. 
Gotta wrap Great it up. show. Tell me, what is the Listen, last, tell me those last words. The last words is mandatory reading the autobiography of Malcolm X by Alex Haley. Awesome. All right. All powers oh. to oppressed people, African power to African people, black power. Black power. <laughs>